know what your week was like yesterday, but I tell you what, the Bible says that though sorrow may endure for the night, his joy comes in the morning. So this morning we can choose joy and live joy and just choose to celebrate, amen, because God is good. Um, uh, before we go into the message this morning, I do want to acknowledge, uh, I always like to acknowledge a grand entry when a new baby comes into the church. And I miss Miss Kyler over there on the back with uh, Grandma is holding Miss Kyler. Just see down there, there's a new one that's just better looking than the rest of you. No bias or anything. But anyway, just congratulations to you guys for your new baby there. That's awesome. Awesome. So, uh, if you would get your Bibles with me, we're going to go straight into the Word. How many? Are you ready? Yes. Are you ready? Today the message, uh, the title of the message, I'm calling it Follower. Say, come and say, say Follower. Follower. You know, Jesus calls us to follow Him. I want to read just a passage of Scripture, and this is going to be an awesome message because we're going to do something that some of you have never tried before. By the time we're done with the sermon today, there will be five people that would have already spoken one message. How many think we could do it? And so I'm going to start you off, and a few guys will come here after me, but I, I want to kind of set you up a little bit. When they come, I want you to cheer them up. Man, these guys prepared, they prayed, and, and you think it's hard enough to preach for 30 minutes or more. It's even harder when you have so much inside of you that you want to let out. It's like, ah, you got five minutes to say all you got to say. Okay. And if they say something, I want to make it interactive. If you haven't figured this out already, I'd like it to be interactive a little bit. If they say something that touches you and you think that was awesome, you know, come on, you could do one of those. Yeah, come on. I'm a, oh, amen. That's good. All right, so you could go there. So by, open your Bibles, Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. To, uh, to get it started, I'm going to begin the story. I would love to read the whole chapter, uh, but I'm not going to do that to you right now. Uh, you can read it on your own time uh, this afternoon. You can finish it up before NFL starts, uh, you know, but I'm going to go to verse 18. But before I get to verse 18, let me just give you the backup of the story before how, where we get here. Jesus, at this point in Matthew chapter 4, is when he begins to show his ministry to the world. And, and, and before, up until that point, only people like his mother knew who he was really, who he really was. But at this time, he was about to launch off his ministry and the purpose for which he came. And so before uh, he, he would come to this point, he went through a time, a season of fasting and prayer. And in that season of fasting and prayer, he would actually be met by the devil himself trying to discourage him and to divert his attention from, from, from staying the cause. You know, devil, the devil's that good sometimes. Sometimes that's because we, we don't give him, sometimes we give him too much credit and sometimes we, we underestimate how good he really is. Because if he has the audacity to try and distract Jesus from his purpose, how much more would he try to distract you and I? But Jesus stayed the cause and he kept the word of God. Whenever the enemy will attack him or try to tempt him or try to pressure him, he would always come back with, a, with, a, with another punch and always is a word. He will always come with the word of God. You know, that's why in Ephesians he talks about um, you know, that the armor of God and you know what the sword of the spirit is? 
is the offensive thing you can use is the Word of God. He says that, that's the offense. I mean, all the different armors that you read in Ephesians uh, have to do with the defense and protecting you. But there's one uh, thing that God gives us that's an offensive, and that is His Word in our life. And every time the devil will try to attack him, you, uh, well now, this is, wasn't the Jesus attack, but you know, he does attack us in different ways. You know, he's, uh, Jesus came back with the word. And Satan will try another. And Jesus will come back with, yeah, you might be saying this, but the scripture says this. I might be feeling like this, but I know what God says about me. Oh, I might feel like I'm lost. I don't know what to do. I have no idea. But the scripture says, he has a purpose. He has good thoughts about me. I might not be feeling well today. In fact, maybe I didn't even get a good diagnosis, but the Bible says by his stripes I am healed. So you can, you can always come back. Not that, you're not, not that you're denying what's happening in your life right now. Jesus was hungry, and Satan tempted him with food. Then Jesus comes back with a word and says, Hey, it's written, The man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he's teaching us, in fact, that when the enemy comes our way, he tries to pull you down, he tries to distract you, he tries to discourage you. Come back with God's word. So load yourself up with the word of God so that you have a comeback. And ultimately, says the devil left him because he conquered. So now he comes to his ministry, and I bring the story. And, and, and before, and, and, and here, uh, verse 18, it says, And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee uh, and saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and, his, and Andrew, his brother. They were casting, down, uh, the, the casting net, a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from here, from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And immediately they left the boat and, the, and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and, and all of diseases among the people. Can I just pause a minute and tell you that Jesus is still moving? Jesus is still healing all kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases because it is, it is the same Jesus that was then that he is now. It is the same Jesus that we lifted up our hands to and worshiped this morning. It's the same Jesus I promised that, 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 that if we stand on his word that he's more than able. I don't know what you've been told but that's not the final Diagnosis. That's not the final call. God writes the final chapter because he is the Alpha and he is the Omega. You might be going through a tough situation right now, but when we stand on his word, he is faithful to see it to the end. So he went about healing all kinds of diseases. Verse 24. Then his fame went throughout all of Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who are afflicted with various diseases and torments and those who are demon-possessed epileptic and paralytics and he healed them and the great multitudes followed him from Galilee and from the uh, from the couple is Jerusalem Judea and, and beyond um, uh, the Jordan 
And the, the thing I want to point out in this passage right here is the fact that as Jesus was walking around, when he saw Peter and his brother Andrew, he asked them to follow him. What I noted in this passage is that the people that followed him, they did not hesitate. I mean, they didn't know who this guy was, but there's something of God inside of all of us. Because when we were created, the Bible says that more in the, after God he created everything in the beginning story, when he created man, the Lord says, let us make man out of our own image, according to our own likeness. And then the story goes on to talk about how God went to the dust of the earth, and he formed man, and he says that the, and, and then the Lord breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Right there and then, we know there is a connection between not the, just the physical body that we have and we share in common with every creature that's alive in the, on planet Earth. That's why you will find things that are similar, but there was something different. He never breathed his life upon any other creature. He just said, let there be, and it was. Let the earth bring forth creatures, and it did. But with man, God said, let, he went down and he, he formed man with his own fingerprints, if you would. He molded man, and man was still not alive. And the Bible says that the Lord breathed into his nostril the breath of life, and that's when he came alive. And so inside of every person, there is a portion of God in them that Satan wants to suppress and keep them underneath and bind, but God wants to restore that which is inside of us so that we can connect. These guys did not even know who Jesus was, but something when Jesus says, follow me. They're walking with their dad. I said, Dad, I'm sorry. i got to follow. I don't even think they said they're sorry. They just <laughs> went. And then he meets these other brothers, and they're walking. Uh, and, and he says, follow me. And says, immediately they did. And then as we continue to read on the story, as he's healing people, and he's preaching the good news of the kingdom, and he goes on to all the different villages and the different towns, and, uh, and he's speaking the gospel. You know what he was speaking? He was speaking the message of the kingdom. What is the message of the kingdom? It's the gospel. He's speaking to them. He says his fame. People started following him just for his fame. And I love this. I love this, that it wasn't just the individual, that multitudes also followed him. You and I are called to follow Jesus. You and I, when Jesus calls us, he speaks to every one of us. He speaks to us and he's calling us. He's not calling us to look at him and gaze at him. And that's, we could do that in our worship. But he's calling us to walk with him. He's calling us to follow him. When you follow somebody, you walk with them. They're walking on a path and you follow them. There's a few people, and this is a great study you could do on your own. I'm just going to give you something to investigate in your Bible. If you, uh, you can write this phrase and look it up. Go in through every part in the Bible that says someone walked with God. And see what kind of a man, what kind of a woman they were, and what kind of outcome you can see in their lives. One of the guys that followed the Lord was a guy that never died. He walked with God, and he was no more. When Jesus is calling us to follow him, he's saying, walk with me. Come with me. Come with me, and I will make you fishers of men, he tells Peter and his brother. Come with me. Follow me. Because when we start following Jesus... He rocks our world. He says, I'm going to show you something that you never even knew you had inside of you. 
I'm going to bring out of you something you didn't even know exists. You might know about fishing, but I'm going to teach you what real fishing is when you follow me. We get the most out of Jesus when we learn to follow him. It's so funny. Hey, how many were excited that the Huskers won? They beat Michigan State yesterday. Come on, that was awesome. Come on, that was, you know. And, and you know, with every team, I always think, and I've always loved sports since I was a little kid. But every team has fans and it has followers. You maybe have not thought about that, but the moment I said that, you already know, yep, you're right on because you, fans can be fickle. We thought Frost was going to change everything. And then we started 06. And fans start calling names, posting stuff on Facebook. And follow us, man. It might be two degrees outside, but they're there. And they believe. And Jesus is calling us not to be fans of him. It's so easy to be a fan of Jesus. I mean... You, do you hear the, the word I just read? I know sometimes we read these things through the Bible and we don't really think about what it says. Can I just read it a couple of phrases again real quick? Go back to verse 23. And Jesus went about all of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all... Healing how many? Not just a select few. All those who came to me, he healed all of them. All kinds of sicknesses and all kinds of diseases among the people, he says. Then the, his fame went throughout all the Syria, and they, he brought to him, they brought to him the sick, the people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed and epileptic and paralytics. And, and he healed them. Help me out. He healed them. When you see a guy like that, it's easy to be a fan. I mean, that's impressive. How can I not like be impressed by that? But he says he's not calling us to just be impressed by him. The followers, if you notice the followers, they left everything and followed him. These two guys, the brothers, they left their career. Some, they left relationship. And sometimes... When we choose to follow Jesus, we must decide to leave some things behind. There are some people that we don't bring along with us. I know he wants to save everyone, but there are some relationships, there are some associations that will distract you from following Jesus. And he says, sometimes you're going to have to like, I'm following Jesus. Amen. Um, I was enjoying the message a little too much. Um, so in the next four minutes, I want to share two thoughts and two scriptures with you. Um, the call to follow God is a call to know him. Not just the things that he does, but to know him. And the first scripture I want to share with you is John 17, verse 3. And Jesus is, uh, Jesus is saying that to know the Father is eternal life. To know him is eternal life. And it just goes back to what Pastor Solo was mentioning here, that he made us and breathed his life in us. It's the same life, eternal life in us. I remember when I first came to the Lord as a teenager, 
And, and uh, it was a hard time in our country. It was a bad economic time. And every, fa every family, I mean, every family, our family was going through it, experiencing it. And uh, back home in our culture, people would hide. It was more like, a, a lot like Nebraska. We only talk about the good life. And we don't talk about the other stuff. But I remember feeling depressed. And, I, and I'm thinking the same thing was happening with many young people at the same time, feeling hopeless. But when I knew the Lord, he just ignited in me a new life. To know him is eternal life. I remember getting a new purpose, new, new desire to live. One, I know nothing, not so many things in the natural changed immediately, but I knew inside me there was hope. There was life. Everything I did, there was commitment to it because I knew this is not it. There is more. So he doesn't just give us eternal life for the life after this life. Eternal life starts now. He injects life in us. Amen. And, and I, am, I am still fired up about this. I'm still fired up about this because he has given me life. Praise God. The second thought I think I'm really doing good. I might even slow down a little. <laughs> the second thought is this. Uh, to know God. Um, this is what Jesus talked about. He said, my sheep know my voice. It's not just, it's not just about knowing about him. This is a relationship with him. The call to follow him is a call to have a relationship with God. And in, uh, uh, um, is it John? <laughs> John 10, 5 and 4, he talks about the shepherd who sleeps, who is the gate of the sheep. And he sleeps there and he talks about it and he says that when he, when, when, uh, when, when, uh, uh, when he wakes up, they follow him. He goes before them and they follow him and they know his voice. They know his voice and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. I just want to give you one illustration that I thought about. Growing up in a military base and my dad uh, 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 did not work in the base where we lived. But so every morning they will come, there was a bus that will come in and pick up all the, uh, all the guys that work in a different location and they will all go together. And in the evening, they will come back and they all dress the same. They almost sound the same. These guys just start chatting and enjoying their time. But as a kid, I would always know if he was in the crowd or not. Because I had a relationship with him. I knew his voice. He would be talking in a crowd and I would know his voice. And this is what God is calling us to. To walk with him and to know him and to know his voice. That we can follow his voice. And we can know when he's leading us. He said, and the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. We are the sheep of his pasture. We are the sheep of his pasture, and we should know his voice. He's calling us to a deeper place, not just believing him. When I believed him, he gave me life. He ignited that life, but then he called me to go with him, to talk to him, to listen to him, to pray, and to spend time with him. So much so that when he speaks, I know it's him. When someone else pretends that it's him, I know it's not. He's calling us to a place of intimacy. So we want what he wants. We follow where he goes. And we do what he asks us to do. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen.
When I was asked to talk about find freedom, there was one scripture that just popped into my head, and many of you are probably thinking it right now, and it's, who the sun sets free is free indeed, and by gosh, no truer words have been said. You know, in my walk, in, in the 13 years that I've been serving God, I've seen that many of us come to a place where we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, but we stay there. We stay there and we don't take those extra step forwards. We don't live in the fullness that God has for us. We don't find that freedom that Jesus has for us because we just stay in that first step. And I want to tell you that God has come and Jesus has come to give us freedom and freedom from our earthly shackles. So I think about my life. For many years, and some of you know this, I was stuck in a life of drug addiction. I was stuck in the life of substance use. It was a dark, dark place. My parents didn't raise me to be caught up in a life of drug addiction but that's where I was I found myself there I found myself doing many things that I never thought I would do I found myself going many places that I never thought I would go I found myself in a dark dark abyss I needed freedom I was shackled my friends I was shackled to things on this earth and then I remember one day after getting arrested for the 13th time I remember sitting in the van my work van I was gonna spend the night there and I looked around and I was like this this is not for me this is not what God has called me to and I remember that day crying out to Jesus and being like Jesus if there's more for me let me know Jesus if you have something else for me besides this abyss besides this hell on earth that I'm living in let me know because I don't see a way out of this I don't see a way to take that next step I don't know what to do I had been raised in the church but I was stuck in shackles and I remember shortly thereafter a pastor came into my life and told me about a way that I can find freedom and it wasn't until I came to that place where I not only asked Jesus to forgive me I not only asked Jesus to be my Savior but I was able to take those next steps and really walk in the freedom that Jesus had given me that I was able to find yes. true liberty yes. true freedom and it's okay to give Jesus praise for that it was amazing it, it was it was something that changed my life I, I was stuck for so long in having accepted Jesus but not taking those next steps and I know many people that have been stuck in that life I've talked with many people who have been stuck in that place where they accept Jesus but they don't walk in that freedom and I want to tell you when we look around the culture when we look around the world in which we live and I don't know if you experience the same thing but I see many things in this world that are legal but they're not beneficial many things yeah. that the culture says is okay but it's not good for me you know we have those things that we know are bad we know those things that are sins, they're illegal, and you know right off the rip, they're not good. Things like drugs, things like stealing, that lifestyle, you know it's not good. But there's other things that when we look around, we say, wait a second, this is okay in the culture. But God says, in, in, actually in 1 Corinthians 10.23, he says those things that are permissible are not always beneficial. And I want to tell you that... It's happened to me where I, I constantly have to look and start checking myself and check the Word of God because I need to align my life with what the Word of God says about these things, you know? Like, I'm, and I'm going to drop one right now, alcohol. Alcohol is something that I feel in many places is worship, you know? And when we read the Word of God and we align our life with what God says about certain things is a way that we can find freedom and, and the real life that God has for us because God wants us to not only find freedom 
for ourselves from these earthly shackles, but he wants us to be free to worship him. You know, last week we passed in Veterans Day, and I think about the sacrifice that these soldiers made for me, for me, and for all of you, literally giving up their lives, many did, so that we might have freedom. And God says, I did the same. When I stretched my hands out, Jesus said, and I said, that is it. It is done. It is finished. It was so that you have freedom to worship me. On that day, the Bible says that the veil was torn. And we have the freedom to go into that holy of holies. We have freedom to go into that presence of Jesus like we were this morning and worship him with arms wide and say, Jesus, I love you. I thank you. Guys, we have that, you know. And many times, I'm guilty of it. We're there during worship and we're thinking about our plans after church. We're thinking about what we have to do on Monday. We're thinking about all these external things and we're not basking in the presence of the Lord and I want to tell you today that God has come not only to give us freedom from shackles but that we might be free to worship him a lot better if you turn it on. All right, here we go. Here we go. I love this. Okay, so this is so awesome. We get to know God, right? We get to know God. We get, we get to know the person that created heaven and earth and everything around us. Not only do we get to do that, he gives us freedom. We're not just bound to just say, okay, this is cool. We're going to flow through. He gives us a freedom that we move beyond. But here's the thing, and Brother Sam said it this morning. He gives us a purpose. There's a purpose that we need to discover. Each and every one of us have a purpose on this earth, why we are here today. I love this. That the, the scripture tells us how, we, how he likens the body of Christ to the physical body, right? And check this out real quick. In 1 Corinthians it says, if the, 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 yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, it doesn't make it any less a part of the body, right? And it says, so if your, your, eye, you know, your eye says I'm not a ear, okay, here's the whole thing. It doesn't make it any less a part of the body. The whole body, if the whole body were an eye, how would we hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would we smell anything? Here's the key part right here. Remember, Christ has called this to we are the body. He says, but our bodies have many parts and God has put each part, excuse me, just where he wants it. Right. He has a purpose for every single part. That means every single one of you out here right now, he has a purpose for every single one of you. Think about that. Uh, I love this. He says, how strange a body would be if it just had one part. Yes, of how many parts, but just we are one body. Right, and think about this, and yes, the, the eye never says, I don't want to, you know, I want you, and the whole thing, and the head to the feet, I don't want you. In fact, we have so many parts in the body, I love this part, it says, the body even has some of the weakest, smallest parts that seem unnecessary, those are the ones that are the most necessary. Come on, think about this, for each and every one of you, for each and every one of you, think about this, he has a purpose for all of you, everyone in this place right now. We can walk out with a purpose and say, he has put us where we are for a reason. Think, think about the body. I don't know if you've ever studied the body. We have some nurses in here that know some things, right? Right back in here behind your ear, there's this little bitty area that these canals all converge together. You know what they control? Your balance. If that little bitty tiny insequential part that is buried behind the ear gets messed up even a little bit, you start to look like a toddler who's learning how to walk. All of a sudden, you're Bambi when you get a head cold because that thing isn't working right. And you're like, okay, Lord, I don't know what's going on here, right? But think about this. If it's not all working together correctly, the body doesn't work correctly. You know, the other one I think about is that little pinky toe, right? 
The only thing that it's good for is testing your Christianity at two in the morning. When you are walking through the house to get a drink of water and you slam it into something, but without that toe, it is next to impossible to run or walk. Why? Because that's a part of the whole body that has to work together to be able to do this, to be able to go forward one thing at a time. Every one of us have a purpose. So we, we might think, okay, you know what? I, I'm, I'm not that great at this or that. I can't get up and speak in front of people. That doesn't matter. He's got a purpose for every one of us where we are. Think about this. It's so amazing. Purpose is something that can drive you to do something amazing or can drive you to do something really stupid. Right? Watch this in Jude. Put up that scripture in Jude real quick. It says this. Yeah, they, they told you in the last times there would be scoffers whose purpose in life is to satisfy their ungodly desires. That's the way the word puts it. If you're not living to God's desire, you're living to the ungodly desires. Come on, think about that real quick. And I want you to think about this. It's so amazing. God put people throughout the Bible. He put people throughout the Bible that did so many great things, but you only hear of them once. Think of Esther. Amazing woman. Things she did. There's an entire nation of people who are still alive today because of the fact that she just opened her mouth. She had one dinner. She went before one man, well, two dinners, but she went before one man, had dinner with this guy. What happened? Saved an entire nation of people. You take Peter. Here's a guy that was not known. He was just a simple fisherman before that. Right? Nobody knew him. Nobody knew his name. All of a sudden, Jesus comes along and says, I have a new purpose for you, Peter. I'm going to call you rock. I'm going to build my church upon you. Today, we sit here today doing what we're doing right here. Why? Because Peter did what Jesus asked him to do. He says, take that fishing life. That was awesome. You did what you did. You're going to put that to the side. I have a new purpose. There's going to be something bigger than you, greater than you, that's going to go far beyond anything your mind's eye can see right now or you can even comprehend. And the end days, this is going to happen through you. Come on, I want you guys to take that today. I want you to take that to yourself. Real quick, I want you to take, take your hand, put it on your head right here. Say, I have a purpose. I have a purpose. I have a purpose. We have to get it past our brain. This is where our excuses, our doubt, things happen that try and stop us from doing it. Grab your spirit. Put your hand right here and say, hey, spirit, I have a purpose. Come on, amen. You do not know. You do not know what you are about to do. You have no idea what could be coming because of you doing, simply serving, even in this place, what God has for you to do. Amen. Amen. Guess what? We didn't talk to each other about what we're about to do right now, but hold your hand in front of your face. Pretend it's a mirror. <laughs> we didn't talk. Pretend it's a mirror. You're the man. You're looking at the man in the mirror right now. You're looking at the woman in the mirror and say this. Say, I can make a difference. Say, I will make a difference. Your life has value and meaning because God gave it to you. Nobody else and nothing else in this world gives you your meaning and your purpose. And he gave it to you to be shared because somebody else needs what you have. You know, there's a young girl who was born practically almost exactly a century ago to a hardworking, devoted family. When she was eight, her father suddenly died. They think that it was some poisoning by some political somebody somewhere. And so he died and her mother raised her and her siblings. She went on to school and became a teacher 
teacher. She imparted to her students individually because she valued them as individuals. She eventually became a principal of the school. And she felt called to leave that job and go work in the slums. So she went into some training and off she went to the slums and she began to help people one by one. What a daunting task to take on. A young woman, a hard life, people living horrible situations. But she did it one by one. She made a difference and that was Mother Teresa. And her counterpart, I believe in the Bible, has to be Tabitha. If I was in City Kids this morning, I would have called her by her Greek name, which is Dorcas. You can guess why. But let's look at this. Acts chapter 9, verse 36 through 42. There is a believer in Joppa named Tabitha. See, in Greek, it is Dorcas. I'm not lying. She was always doing kind things for others and helping the poor. About this time, she became ill and she died. Her body was washed for burial, laid in an upstairs room. But the believers heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda, so they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible. So Peter returned to them, with them, and as soon as he arrived, they took him to the room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. So she's known for making clothes for people, right? When she died unexpectedly, the people went and got Peter. We don't hear anything in the Bible about her opinions, her likes, her dislikes, her needs. Did she like the Roman government or not? No posts about any of that. But she dies and the believers started a GoFundMe account and they got Peter there ASAP because you know bodies back then went bad fast. So he arrives and he prays for her. She was raised from the dead. But get this in verse 42. The news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. When Tabitha decided to make a difference, two things happened. She actually gained her life by giving it away. When we decide to make a difference, we trust God to make the rest happen. And people were not only touched by her when she was alive the first time, but they were brought to the Lord by her coming back to life. So many people came to the Lord because she was brought back to life. When we, when we give to God and what we put in his hand in order to make a difference, he can do so much more with that than we ever could. We will never lose with God. And guess what? She was called a disciple. The only time this word occurs in the feminine form in the Greek New Testament is with her. The fact that she was even mentioned, all her burial preparations were mentioned in the Bible, that, uh, the, that Peter came out and actually announced and presented her to them. All those facts point to us that she was a woman, a disciple of God who was known for something. Well, she was a seamstress, yes, but she was somebody who made a difference. And you can go out into your school, into your workplace, and your park, in your neighborhood, and you can make a difference. Oh, wait a second. I got your theological degree paperwork here first. You got to do that first. Maybe it's a web address. No, you don't have to get a degree to make a difference for God. Okay? You can make a difference when you go to the store. You can make a difference right here. Did you know somebody could get saved in the foyer before they even get into here? Because you made them a cup of coffee. You put that extra creamer in there if you got to to get them a smile on their face. You could be out there rocking a baby boy or a baby girl who's going to be the next president of the United States or somebody who's going to be a surgeon operating over your heart one day. What better place to serve and make a difference in those areas? You can learn how to run the lights and make them all look beautiful. But what better place to be a servant and make a difference than right here, right now? It's not difficult. Check out Ephesians 2.10. God creates each of us by Christ Jesus to join him in the work he does, the good work he has already gotten ready for us to do, work we had better be doing. 
And Galatians 6, 9 says this, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest, a blessing if we don't give up, right? Now guess what? We can make a statement, we can make an appearance, but are we making a difference? Come on, how many received something? Did you get something from God this morning? I know. How, how good were those guys? Come on, give it out to them. Awesome, yeah. Awesome. Here's the thing. When we come together every Sunday, what we are building in this church, I want to finish up by, 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 by capping what we began at the beginning. Jesus had a vision and a purpose and, uh, for, 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 the, for his church. He had a vision and a purpose for, for, for our lives, what, what, what we would play in it. Okay? We don't just come here, sing a couple songs, take an offering because the church needs money, <coughs> listen to our good speech, and go home. I think God has something bigger, something better, and something more meaningful for us to do. So, Jesus gives Peter, and it's been said already, he says, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. What does that church look like? In Acts chapter 2, we see the initiation of the church that Jesus had a dream for. We see the initiation of the church that Jesus intended to have. Now, I'm not going to read, but I'm going to paraphrase this. In Acts chapter 2, right before Acts after Jesus had a, a resurrected and been taken up to heaven, he had told his disciples that, that, that to wait for something special that's going to come to them. If you read Acts chapter 1 verse 1, verse 8, it says that you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And it says when that power comes, you'll be able to become witnesses for me in Judea, in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. If I will put it in today's world, it says you'll be able to be a witness for me in the place where we live in, in the city that we live in, in our state, in our nation, and beyond. Okay? And then it says do not leave Jerusalem until you've received this promise. Remember when my first read in Matthew chapter 4 that he asked different ones to follow him, right? He asked Peter, he asked Andrew, he asked all these guys to follow him. And we know all the 12 disciples would ended up following him. Now you read the Gospels, you would find that they were not the only people that followed Jesus. There are many who followed him after that. Now you also would read in the Gospel, we don't talk about these guys many more because if you, if you don't look, you'll miss it. There are places we are told that there are those that he called what I call the almost disciples. He says he asked some to come. I'm not going to go to other verses. He asked some to come and he says one made an excuse. I just bought a new property. The house of my dreams. I've been dreaming all my life for this kind of house. And I just bought it. So thanks a lot Lord for calling me. But today I want to take a rain check. Someone else says, oh, I've been looking for true love all my life. And I found Mr. Perfect. He fits, checks every box that I've ever dreamed of. Oh, Miss Perfect. Come follow me. Jesus, I love you. You are an awesome. You're beautiful. You're amazing. I'm going to take a rain jacket. And those stories are all over the Bible. And I call them almost disciples. 
because they had the same opportunity to follow Jesus with their lives. But the lie that the enemy always deceives us with is that when we give to Jesus, that somehow, some way, I need to take care of me because nobody takes care of me. It is true there is a selfish world out there, and if you don't take care of yourself, they won't take care of you. But God, Jesus is not the selfish word. God is not the selfish one. Whatever we give to God, he gives us back even more. Luke 6, 38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your love. For the same measure you use will be measured back to you. Whatever we give to Jesus, whether it's our time, our talents, our gifts, our, our, whatever we give to him, he will multiply many times over to us. Don't buy into the lie of holding back to the Lord. Honor God with your time. Honor God with your talent. Honor God with your life. Honor God in his church and God will multiply. God will take care of you. God will watch over your finances. He'll watch over your kids. He'll watch over your health. He says he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. When we choose to follow him, we never lose when we follow God. The little boy that came to Jesus came to him with the two loaves of bread and five little fish, I would imagine. And, and, and all these people needed to eat. They were all hungry. They'd been so mesmerized by the words of Jesus. They didn't want to go home. They just wanted him to keep talking, keep talking, because he was giving them life and spirit. But in the physical part, they were getting hungry. And Jesus says to his disciples, what would what we have to feed these people? And, I, and they said, we only found this one boy with this little packed lunch that his mama gave him. And he says, go ahead and feed them. And the Lord says that he blessed the bread. He gave thanks for the bread. And he started feeding thousands upon thousands upon thousands. He multiplied, he multiplied, he multiplied. And when they were done eating, they had leftover so much more that they had to take it to the city mission. You know what to do with it. I'm adding to the Bible here a little bit for our own imagination. The point I'm trying to make is this. One of the most valuable things that we have in our life is time. And it's so indiscriminate because we are all given the same amount of time. 24-7 every week, we got equal. You can't say, oh man, the rich have so much money, they should give more. We can argue that sometimes. And God never does look at things that way. He gives us all equally. He says, what do you have? That's what he asked the little boy. What do you have? What do you have? He asked Moses that. Moses, what do you have in your hand? Whatever you have in your hand, if you give it to the Lord, he would use it. The plan of salvation is that he comes to us, as I repeat, and this is what the purpose of our church is. Everything that we do, when we ask you to sign up for ministry, to get in and help with the kids' ministry, or help with it, we're not just shaking hands. I am a, hey, can I pick on you, Abigail? You know, if you're an Asha or a greeter, no, it's like, I am a greeter and I shall greet you. <laughs> Did you read my tag already? No. God wants us to be instruments of his love to his people. Sometimes the preaching that you're going to preach is not even what you're going to say. Sometimes the preaching that you're going to preach is just the life that you live and how you treat people and they can see Jesus in each one of us. I love one person that says, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Because your life... And your service to the Lord is an offering. Every, some of the little mundane things that we take for granted, I mean, they mean something. Someone cleared the snow. Someone made sure that no one slides up here when they come to church. Hopefully nobody does. But guess what? It didn't just happen. Someone served their neighbor. And they had the same exact time that we did. 
I want to give just an acknowledgement right now to the guys working back there. Look back there. They do a lot of work. Let, let me pick on them a little bit because we pastors are not very good sometimes at preparing things for them and they work with what they have. I mean, we mess their world even today. Should have given staff early. We're like, within two minutes, you have to make it happen. But man, you know what? They just like, we'll get whatever we can. But you know what? They serve because they love the Lord and they love his people. You know, it doesn't just happen. People serve. So going back and finishing in Acts chapter 2, there was the picture of that church. And it says they gathered in Jerusalem many men, people, devout people, devout Jews from every nation. And they were gathered there for, for an occasion. And the Bible says in the place where they were sitting, the Spirit of the Lord came upon them. And I love this because it said when he came, he came upon all of them. We were talking about, hey, he healed all of them. He poured out his Spirit on all of them. Multitudes followed Jesus, remember? But 120 were in that room that day. There were some fans and there were some followers. And the Spirit of God was poured out. It says they all received the Holy Spirit. They all began to speak in new tongues. And all of a sudden, this is the place where they were sitting was shaken. There, were all, there was an uh, um, 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 observation of a holiday going on in Jerusalem at that time. And all these people were curious about what was going on in that room. And they came to check it out. And they formed their own opinions, independent opinions. And they still form them now. Some of them look at all these people speaking in untangible words, praying and crying and, 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 and screaming and shouting and yelling and say, man, what is wrong with these people? Some say they are drunk. They are drunk. They must be drunk. Some say, they can't be drunk 9 o'clock in the morning. That's really some serious problem they have there. And some of them say, wait, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't get, I don't understand this all. It's not what I'm used to. Some of them thinking... I'm not used to this kind of church. But I do, when I listen, there's something I'm hearing, not just here, I'm hearing here. In my heart. And I hear them say some things. And the things that are saying, they're saying great things about God. And so they don't understand it, but they are hearing something. And they start to, they were back right here. You, some, some dismissed them. They thought they were a bunch of lunatics. A bunch of crazies. And they said whatever they had to say. But some says, man, this is something I've never seen. But I hear them in my own language say great things about God. And so I was here and they just take a little step and they lean over. Man, this is kind of amazing they're following Jesus slowly they don't even know it I see I see guys from Tanzania speaking fluent German praising God I hear them we have nothing in common but somehow they're speaking something that does something on the inside of me we don't look like twins or anything if we send our DNA test, I mean we are fathers from each other. But there's something they're saying that I hear, and it's doing something in here even though I don't quite get it. Right. Right. And they, who are on the outside, 
by leaning over and listening. They're beginning to follow Jesus. And Peter would speak a message. And 3,000 would respond that day and begin not just to be fans of Jesus, to become followers of Jesus. And the whole situation would repeat itself several times over. And all of a sudden, there are so many Christians... There's so many believers. There's so many miracles. There's so many things happening. And they turn the world upside down in a very short time of history. People who had no education, ordinary people who lived, never most of the time, never lived past like their, their geographic territory within 30 miles or so you've traveled. But they turn the world upside down. And 2,000 years later, there are more followers of Jesus in the world than any, any other religion. Because people, they came, they listened, they followed God, they knew him, they knew his voice. They found freedom in their lives. When they find Jesus, you find freedom. And they didn't stay there. They started participating. They, were fan, they become followers, not just fans. When you see things going around, like in the local church, something is like, man, that's not out of order. I don't like, hey, why don't these pastors take care of this thing? <laughs> Maybe you are that little part that's been missing to take care of that one thing. Mm-hmm. Together, we can make a difference in our community. Yeah. You know what's amazing? It's very fascinating to me in that story. Is that in that church, there were 17 different nationalities that were represented on that day that the Holy Spirit was poured out. That room was diverse. The church of Jesus Christ should be a reflection of all the representation of people who live in our community. And I believe the Holy Spirit does that. We don't have to make anything up. We just need to follow Jesus. Be authentic. Follow Jesus. You follow Jesus. I follow Jesus. Let's follow Jesus together. Let's serve Jesus. And let's see Lincoln be turned around for the kingdom of God. Did you receive something today? Amen. Would you stand with me? Amen. How many received something today? How many want to be followers, not fans? Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you so much. Thank you for your presence.